Hello, this is Justin Mason, and what you're about to hear is recordings from last weekend's Potapalooza 2024. This was a live stream event hosted over two days, 20 hours in total. And sometimes during this event, because so many different people are involved, the audio isn't quite what you would expect from a normal podcast. I hope you still enjoy the content, but I apologize if there is some choppiness or rough listening at points. Enjoy. Appreciate everybody coming on and talking fantasy baseball with me all weekend long. We've got a bunch of amazing panels, including bold predictions coming up next. But before we do, I want to remind everybody where you can donate. Go to donorbox.org backslash TGFBI. It's down there on the ticker if you're watching live on YouTube. Every dollar you donate will get donated to Fantasy Gears, and every dollar you donate will get you entered in to win amazing raffle prizes like the one that Jamie just talked about. Uh, and we've also got jerseys. We've got bobbleheads. We've got more subscriptions to amazing sites. Books. Books like the Fantasy Black Book from Joe Pizapia. How you doing, my friend? What's up, buddy? You look amazing. Can I just say, like... Thanks. You're looking svelte. You're looking very good. I I've see lost like 50 me. pounds. I know. I'm just saying, like, I'm staring yeah. at the screen. And although, like, we both have gotten a little grayer in the beard down here, I feel like a little less here. You, you yeah. look fantastic. Everybody, uh, a round of applause for Justin Mason putting in the work. Put in the work, baby. Now, it's not all just you smoking cigarettes and not eating anymore, right? Like, that. that's that's not the workout regime, is it? Uh, that's part of the workout it's routine, part of it. but okay. but I am also exercising. I've been a okay. little lazier now that draft season has uh, come around. It's been much more difficult to get away from my computer and my microphone. So, uh, but yeah, you know, just trying to take better care of myself. I'm turning forty this year. Uh, I want to be around for at least another forty years. So yeah. I like that. I like that. I'll, I want to be around for another sixty years. I want to go well past a hundred. Like I, I'm, I'm in for the long haul. I want the century mark. I want to do the whole thing. But this is great. Every year, Justin organizes this, and everybody, you have no idea how much work it is to deal with everybody's nonsense and their schedules. So the fact that you take so much time and do this, shout out to you. Shout out to everybody who's donating time today but also everybody go make donations to fantasycares.org to go ahead and help out because that's what we're all here for today not just a little bit of baseball or a lot of bit of baseball i guess justin and shout out to my wife who allows me to do this um, well i was gonna say i think she's probably happy to get rid of you for two days that that's yes. more i feel like yeah it's like two days of freedom right tell her i said uh, tell danielle i said you're welcome uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's an order. She, yeah. She's she's in the uh, comment section right now, so I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> as she sends some love, Joe. Remind everybody where you can reach on social media, and then plug everything that you do because you uh, do great work, my friend. God, plug everything I do. I don't think we have enough time in the hour. Uh, first of all, uh, again, we're giving away a fantasy baseball black book 2024 edition. I'll also throw in the free cheat sheets too, just because you know I can. So go ahead and do that. Uh, if you subscribe to what's going on here, if you are donating, you are eligible to win that. Obviously, you can check us out at Fantasy Bros MLB YouTube channel, the Welsh and myself having fun every single day talking baseball. When the season starts, we start every day, Monday through Friday, live with the peanuts and the Cracker Jacks. We talk fantasy, we talk betting, we talk baseball. 
Baseball is fun at the end of the day. Let's not forget that. It's supposed to be a good time. And of course, you can see me on Sports Grid TV. I roll over fantasy pros, betting pros, and uh, Joe Pisa PS17 on the X as well. So that's that's enough places. That's for damn sure. All right. We're also going to be joined by my boy, Ray Coon. How you doing, my friend? You're on mute. Uh, it would probably help to, t- to go off of mute. I'm doing good. Yeah. Happy to be <laughs> here again. Yeah, have you remind everybody where you can reach on social media and talk about what you do? All right, I'm at Ray underscore Kuhn underscore 28, and you can find the majority of my work as part of the Fan Tracks draft guide. And I also contributed the divisional previews for the Dr. Roto's draft guide and AL West player capsules for Fantasy Alarm. And I do some work over there as well. Awesome. And you and I are going to start podcasting together again at Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Looking forward to doing that, my friend. It's always great to see you. Uh, speaking of people I podcast with on a regular basis, we have Jason Collette. How you doing, my friend? What's up, guys? How are you? Doing well. Remind everybody where you can be reached and uh, what you do. I'm going to steal Jamie's line below my chin. That's where the uh, stuff, that's where you could find me uh, below my chin. And then I have the uh, weekly collect calls column at Rotowire and uh, Sundays uh, with you. Uh, but tomorrow we're recording this again. Uh, so uh, tomorrow's time slot will be that. Yeah, there we go. Always great to see you guys. We may have another person joining here in a little bit, but he's not here yet. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn things over to Joe. I'm going to let him lead things, and I'm going to go to the restroom. I might go get my uh, uh, eldest child Starbucks, and uh, I will be back uh, at the end of the hour. So you guys enjoy your hour talking bold predictions. Yes, bold predictions here on Potapalooza, and uh, it feels like Jason might be on a bit of a delay, which is going to be super fun for me. So uh, we'll see if we can clean that up. Uh, I'm not sure where he's broadcasting from somewhere in uh, South America, perhaps. You never know with Jason Collette. He is out and about in a lot of different places. Ray Coon from Fantrax, obviously, as well. I was looking at the original Lollapalooza lineup and looking at some of the bands. Uh, you know, uh, Ray, you're giving off the vibe of like a Henry Rollins band. I feel like, you know, a very serious looking face. He seems like he's ready to throw down any moment. Jason Collette, I can't decide between Violent Femmes and the Butthole Surfers for you trying to decide i'll let you know as the show goes on which one i'm going to decide with but let's get to of course the bold predictions here ray let's start with you because i think you're still broadcasting in the united states so let's start with your first of many bold predictions for the 2024 fantasy baseball season what do you have for the people all right eloy jimenez i'm saying he's going to be a top 125 player maybe borderline top 100 this year all right top 100 potentially so let's talk about eloy jimenez because this is a player that just a few years ago we were all very excited about the white Sox were excited about him they extended him along with all the youth they said hey look we're going to commit to all the youth and by the boards this was probably ray the right thing to do structurally a lot of teams have had success unfortunately that success did not befall the chicago white Sox. i feel like in any of these investments that they made <laughs> save maybe the louis robert one but let's talk about Jimenez in this journey because it's been one where he hasn't been able to stay healthy We've seen moments and spurts, but it really has been the injuries above all else. And now he is going at such a discount. So let's talk about why you think this is possible when it comes to Jimenez. All right, I guess part of the reason why I think we're seeing the discount is he's UTL only beginning of the year. So I think that scares a lot of people off. 
But by the same token, perhaps if he's just going to DH, maybe he will be able to stay healthier and we'll get to see him come back to some of the power we saw a few years ago. And maybe, I mean, if we're going to go crazy, maybe 30 hundred. And if we're getting that in around pick 200, does it really matter that he's only going to be UT eligible? Jason, when you look at the tail of the tape of Valoya Menez, this is a player that 27 years old, turning 28. So this is really his prime. We're looking at that rookie season of 2019 where he played 122 games, which, by the way, is the most he ever played in his career. 31 homers, 79 RBI, hitting 267 over that span. Then the following year, just 55 games. The year after that, 55 games. Now, I know in 2020, it wasn't fault. <laughs> there was only so many games to play. But still, 2022, 84 games. Last year, 120, where he did hit 18 homers. What Ray is laying out here for Jimenez is a pretty large, substantial bounce back because you really need to get the innings out of him. He needs to be playing it. He needs to get these at-bats, these games played way up. Do you think there's still hope for Jimenez? And when you're looking at the ADP going around pick 183 overall, the 55th outfielder overall, do you think that that makes sense to take that risk because of the upside that uh, still remains, Jason? Well, I would say, first off, uh, I'm hoping that I sound better now. If not, I'm going to turn off my video to see if that helps. Uh, I would agree with Ray that we have uh, the issue about the UT only penalty there. But, you know, Aloy has come to camp twice now in better shape uh, with that. So he's trying. I would say this as a whole, the White Sox, they're a bad team. But their parts are better than their sum. I, I see there's a lot of different players on Chicago that are going below what I think their their final market value could be with Aloy right there at the top of the list. Yeah, parts are better than their sum. That's been uh, used to uh, describe me many, many times. And Jason, we don't want you to go to to uh, to audio only because that beard looks fantastic today. And clearly you're going to be one of the most handsome fellas on this show for the next eight hours. So let's go to one of your picks here, uh, Jason. Let's start with you because you've got a hot take, a bold prediction that begins with the New York Yankees. Yeah, I, I believe that Juan Soto is going to out Homer Aaron Judge. Uh, and the, the simple part of this is that Soto will be hitting in front of Judge. And what pitcher in the right mind is going to want to pitch around Juan Soto to get to Aaron Judge? Uh, you look at this, you look at how Juan Soto has just murdered fastballs over his career. Uh, it's hard to attack somebody in the strike zone without fastballs. So I believe Soto's in for a tremendous year with the with the protection he's gonna have behind him with the on base help in front of him and obviously the stadium. He's going to have to change his swing a bit because he has been an all field swinger and it's going to be really enticing just to hit pop-ups to right field with that. Uh, but I believe that Soto's in for a massive power year and he is going to out home Aaron judge this year, even if both guys stay healthy. Jason, uh, well, let, let's start there because I think that's the big question when it comes to this Aaron judge, Came out the other day in spring was talking about that toe injury, right? That's saying, hey, this is something I'm going to have to have maintenance on for the rest of my career. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy uh, necessarily. It, it seems like something that is going to be legitimately something that's going to bother him. And that's not on top of whatever other injuries that could befall Aaron Judge at any given time, because we've seen that happen in his career. Also, he's a bigger framed player than we're normally used to when you're trying to, you know, Welsh and I on our fantasy pro show, we're just having this discussion earlier this week. When you're trying to disseminate between these guys, the very top tier here of outfield or even first round talent, I keep taking Soto over judge for that fact. If I just think, Hey, all things being equal, give me the guy playing for a contract. Give me the guy that I think has been so durable over his young career. 
as opposed to the guy who's dealing with a chronic toe issue, not to say the judge isn't a great player, but do you agree with that sense mm -hmm. too, that people should be valuing those two differently, even though in ADP, they're practically the same? Yeah, that's right. I do agree with uh, even Welsh with this, because when you get to that point, you're looking at any other differentiators to that. And that's certainly anytime I hear about an issue, a lower half issue with a power hitter, it scares me because you can't hit with power if you don't have a hundred percent base to you. Uh, but anything you look at, contract year it could go either way with things but i always look at those types of intangibles as tiebreakers where i'm like okay what am i going to take i would say every time i've been given the chance i have taken soto over judge this winter and i'll continue to do so ray i want to talk to you about juan soto here because if you're taking him out of san diego you look at the stats of san diego right his work there 113 games in that ballpark so it's not a small sample size or a large sample you had 231 the OBP was very high, 374, but that's Juan Soto's game. And then 409 slugging, 783 OPS. If you look at his numbers, Nationals ballpark, 296, a 968 OPS. Um, do you think that the secret sauce here for Soto was just to get out of, of San Diego and dropping him into Yankee Stadium, which is practically a wiffle ball field? I think it might be. I mean, I'm too in the camp of taking Soto ahead of Judge. But my concern is maybe April it gets in his head a little bit about adjusting his swing for right field. And maybe we get to a little bit of a slow start. The other thing that kind of caught me was if you look at baseball Smont, his expected home runs for Yankee Stadium last year were 27. So, again, it speaks to the point of, yeah, he has to adjust his swing a little bit. Maybe that takes a little bit of time. But at the same time, I think this is still attainable because Judge is going to likely end up on the injured list at some point. All right, let's take a look at the outfielders, too. We've got some time here. So, uh, Ronald Acuna is going first. Julio then Corbin Carroll, Mookie Betts, Kyle Tucker, then Tatis, Judge, Soto, Alvarez, Luis Robert. Those are the top 10 guys. Ray, when you're looking at that, does that sound correct to you in terms of not just the order, but is somebody missing from that? Because it feels like that's the right 10, and then you can flip-flop Soto, Judge, depending on this conversation or some other folks there. Does that make sense to you, though, in terms of how you evaluate them? Yeah, it does. I, I, I think the top 10 is pretty is pretty set and stable this year. Jason, when you're looking at the top 10 fantasy outfielders this season, do you see somebody cracking that top 10 that's not on that list right now? Guys like Michael Harris or Rosarena uh, Garcia are all very close. Mike Trout is a 14th outfielder. Usually this is where he lives at the top of this list, but it's been some time. And then there's some dark horse candidates too. Guys like Jazz Chisholm, you know, if he plays an entire season, gives us the power and the speed. Uh, who knows what Jackson Churio is capable of. So Jason, when you're looking at this top 10 outfielder, is it as simple as this or do you think maybe there's some room for some conversation well you mentioned one of the guys i was going to say with michael harris i think he's right there on the fringe i even in uh in a current draft and hold that i'm in i opened i had the third pick i opened with julio rodriguez and i took michael harris on the backside just in front of luis robert and to me the differentiator there was the batting average upside uh i really like harris and i know that robert will bring some more power but i wanted to have a a little more average there. So I went there. I would see even dark horse because, you know, Ryan Bloomfield always puts this out. Hey, who was a guy outside the top 180 that could crack first round at the end of the year? And every year somebody does it. One guy does it. This year mm -hmm. at the outfield, but I actually picked an outfielder in Tyler O'Neill. Somebody I think mm. has the potential, has done it in recent years. Obviously it comes with a lot of flaws, but Tyler O'Neill is somebody that I'm looking at like late round that could jump up in the top 10 if everything went right for him. O'Neal with the uh, Boston Red Sox now, too. So it wouldn't be the first time an outfielder left St. Louis and all of a sudden was better, would it? We've seen that between Garcia and Rosarena. 
you know, all these, you know, somebody in St. Louis needs to be held accountable. I feel like Jason, I feel like every couple of years we go through this, like, oh, it's going to be this guy's going to be this guy. And then it never is. And they go somewhere else and then they end up being good. So maybe O'Neal, <laughs> exactly. next guy on that list <laughs> as the trend <laughs> continues. Let's go back to you, Ray, for another 2024 prediction. What do you have for everybody? I have Francisco Alvarez is going to finish the year as a top five catcher. All right. I like this one. Alvarez already showed some power last year. Uh, that's not the problem. Obviously, with young catchers, it's always a matter of learning the pitching staff, getting acclimated to all the other things you have to. And typically, you see the offense lag behind. We've seen that, you know, I'll go back to the Matt Weeders days, some other young catchers that we were high on in terms of, you know, power ability and offensive ability. But last year, he did hit 208. In the minor leagues, a much more complete hitter, I think we'd all agree, but still a relatively young player, obviously, as well. Uh, not a lot of bright spots for the Mets, but this 22-year-old could certainly be one of them. Let's talk about why. Um, I mean, if you look at that, obviously, it's an adjustment to the big leagues. He had to get used to the pitching staff. And then I think in the second half, they just ran him out there day after day because they didn't have a choice. He hit 174 in the second half, so I think that number even by default if that comes up we're going to see a little batting average growth but he still maintained that power and he was and he was a run producer he hit 25 home runs last year and you can argue that we didn't that he struggled for most of the year offensively because he was concentrating on the pitching staff concentrating on acclimating to the big leagues big league pitching so i mean 25 home runs when it really wasn't a good offensive season if you if you break it down I think 35 home runs, maybe. I mean, I don't, I mean, I know we're doing bold predictions. This is a time to get a little crazy, but yeah, let's get crazy. But, 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 why, but why not? Right. Well, I mean, you know, it's not like you got to avoid too many guys in the Mets lineup. So you might as well pitch to somebody. Here. <laughs> uh, as you, if you couldn't tell, I am a loser Mets fan myself. So I'm already well aware the season is over before it's begun. Alvarez versus minor league career, Jason, 273 batting average, a 384 OBP a 529 slugging and a 913 OPS over 257 games. Now that's some pretty solid productivity over a pretty good sample size, 250 plus games. What stands out the most to me, Jason, in those numbers is the 384 OBP because in the major league so far, he's been a hundred points below that mark. So how do you equate for that gap here? Is this a matter of just too much free swinging, not enough pitch recognition skills here? What, what's been that deficit in terms of the conversion of that OBP the batting average, I think we can all understand that's going to fluctuate, but the OBP dropping 100 points from minor to major, that to me is the big hurdle when it comes to Alvarez. And, and to me, that's when you look at it's the quality of pitching. As somebody who watches a lot of minor league baseball here in North Carolina, very few minor league pitchers can spin non-fastballs for strikes. It, it, they have to be chase pitches. So if you're a disciplined hitter, like Alvarez is and can do that in the minor leagues, he can just lay off that stuff and wait for fastballs. Well, you get to the major league level, and all of a sudden, guys can throw sliders and curveballs for strikes and for non-strikes that look like strikes. And that's really what it came down to, to me, because he had done so well as a minor league hitter and made the climb so quickly, he didn't get the chance. And it's like all of a sudden, you're like, all right, all right, welcome to the big league, kids. Here comes the nasty stuff. And it's just it's a learning curve. We've seen it. Go back and look at any other young hitter who was aggressively promoted to the major leagues. They all struggled in year one. Uh, and the catcher, just the tax of that. But you know, I could go back and look at Manny Ramirez's first year. Go back and look at A-Rod's numbers their first year. Uh, as great as they were, they did not do well in their rookie years, year, rookie years either. And then year two, boom. 
Yeah, I think Alvarez is a very exciting player. Uh, I see Rupert's comment that said, I did not get the memo about the backwards cap today. Uh, like I'm Here, always I'll letting the ball head out. But <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. I'm always getting, you know, letting the ball head out there. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I embrace it. It's I my bald head is now 18 years old, gentlemen. So it's allowed to vote. I don't know if you guys realize this. So that's how long <laughs> the head has been shaped celebrating that anniversary this summer. Uh, let's uh, continue on talking about catchers here, Jason. He is going right now as right around the 10th catcher overall on fantasypros.com. At 11, Gabriel Moreno right after him. To me, this is more about what your roster construction looks like. If you need some batting average help in the Roto mm-hmm. format, well, I think Moreno's probably your guy, obviously. But if you're looking for power, it would be Alvarez. Do you see it the same way? Because you just laid out a path where maybe there's a big jump here for Alvarez. Do you think Alvarez is still clearly the guy regardless? I I would still take I mean, Alvarez. Uh, Matt, I'd like Ray's call about getting up there. Go ahead, Ray. No, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go, Ray. Oh, no, I, was just, <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I do like I, I do like Alvarez call up there. I mean, Moreno, again, it does come down to roster construction. The difference, uh, you know, he, Moreno may end up playing because the defense was so good. He was such a big part of Arizona's success last year with his ability to control the running game and how he handled the pitchers at such a young age. It was it was surprising when Toronto traded Moreno uh, as they did, but and he was immediate returns. But to me, I still want Alvarez's upside because it's rather tremendous. Ray, uh, obviously you would feel the same way, correct? Yeah, 100%. I think Alvarez is going to probably steal some DH bats as well. Yeah. I mean, given the, given the Mets roster construction, I think they have Navarez. Maybe Nito makes a team too. And are you really going to have DJ Stewart and Tyrone Taylor? Mm-hmm. DHing, I mean, ultimately, I think it's going to be Alvarez getting some rest, DHing as well. Marino, I like his plate approach, but I don't, but I rather take even a 240 average from Alvarez with all that power. Well, I was going to say, you're looking at potentially twice, if not three times the amount of power. And yeah. that that's a lot to me uh, at this stage in the game. Uh, Brian, uh, congratulations on your bald head turning 21. You're going to buy it a cocktail. I see you out there. And Rupert, again, back suggesting that I should draw seams on my head for opening day. Now, our YouTube channel at Fantasy Bros MLB did cross 15,000 subs. So uh, we will be wearing wigs, Welsh and myself. And if we get to 17,000 before opening day, we're going to grow the mustaches. One time we did mustaches for the show. We took a vacation from ourselves. We're going to be doing that along with the wigs if we get to 17. So just putting that out there. If you want stupid things, we're the place for you. Uh, speaking of uh, stupid things, uh, let's get back to Jason Collette for another one of his predictions for 2024. Yeah, way to set up these predictions. I mean, so I, yeah. I have two pitcher predictions, but we're going to break them up. And let's start with Zach Gallon, who I don't, I don't believe as a bold prediction is going to be a top twenty starting pitcher. Uh, and my reason why is because of the massive workload increase that he had last year. He led the league in innings pitched. He led the league in pitches thrown, uh, and this is including everything going into the postseason. So we have not seen uh, how he's going to handle that. But I would say going back and i wrote an article about this uh, over the winter every the recent years the guy that has led that leaderboard who's thrown the most and done all that the next year hasn't been so well so in 2022 that was aaron nola we saw him take a step back last year in 2021 that was walker bueller we all know what happened there uh and so justin verlander has been the one guy who's been able to survive this type of thing but justin verlander was also in his 30s when he was doing that zach gallon's not there and so zach gallon had a tremendous it was almost uh, 
trying to remember the exact, but 48, 49 more innings, but then you throw in the the postseason innings tax. Pitchers will tell mm-hmm. you that those innings of postseason is like a 1.25 or 1.5 stress on that. So he had a big increase. I want no part of Zach Gallon where he's going right now. That's in the drafts I've seen. He's been going mid to late second rounds, and I'm out. He is one of the top guys. I just did a video on the same topic of guys I'm avoiding. It was uh, don't hate the player, hate the ADP. And I'm with you 100%. I look at Gowan. I look at some other mm-hmm. guys that I could get rounds two and three later even that I think could be in that same mix of being ace potentially. Uh, the number was 210 innings that he threw, then 243 and two-thirds total. That's 60 more than his previous high. Ray, are you in the same boat as Jason and myself where we're looking at Zach Gowan and we say, hey, this is a player that we love the talent. We understand how great he is, how dominant he is, but this is a very risky pick and you're not getting any sort of discount on Gowan. He is still going very high on the board. He is still the ninth pitcher off the board right now. So what do you make of Gowan's value? I mean, I think maybe I have him at the end of my top 20 but I haven't drafted him yet and I probably won't have any shares of gallon by the time we're done because that ADP because we're get because we're not getting any kind of discount. And when I see somebody like gallon sitting there on the board, I, my default has been to kind of take another hitter at that point and then address starting pitching around later. And other than the innings, the two things that concern me about gallon is his barrel rate went up 2% last year. Exit velocity went up like three miles an hour last year. So, the, so again, we saw more innings out of him. I don't know if the, the increased workload led to hitters making better contact against him as the year went on. From a results perspective, yeah, it was still there, but it's another piece that gives me a little bit of concern. Right. If I dropped him from SP9, which is where Gowan is now, let's say to SP20, that board looks like this. Max Freed, Zach Gowan, Blake Snell. Who would you want of those three guys? I'm taking Freed out of those three taking free now he has some injury concerns as well attached to him jason how about you that trio of guys if we drop gallon all the way there which again it's probably not going to happen that's just not going to be the case in terms of it but mm-hmm. let's say maybe there is a little hiccup in spring training we've seen that happen before guys have dead arm all of a sudden there's a little panic in the market let's say we get down to blake snell max freed and zach gallon who would you prefer of those three uh, I'm with Ray. I would take Freed as well. As much as I like Blake Snell, it's a boomer. He's such a boomer bust profile. You know, when he pitches 140 or more innings, he wins hardware. But he's done that twice in his career. In both years, it's been awesome. But when he doesn't do it, it's it, the the floor is there. And so that's why. As much as it was, I was all in on Snell last year at the market price. I don't want him this year where he's going right now. So Freed would be my guy as well. All right, we've got four remaining. Uh, Pro bold predictions, if you want to call them the hot takes, whatever you want to call them here. But I'm going to flip it around here. Ray went first for the first half hour. But Jason, yours is kind of attached to this last one. So Zach Gowan, I think it's bold, but I think it's one that some of us smart, handsome people uh, already kind of see coming. Uh, we've talked about it a lot. However, this next one you have, Jason, I don't <laughs> think anyone's quite talking about. And you are going to take a, a shot here. So I don't want to blow it for the people, but you've got a feeling about the SP1. Let's talk about it. Yeah, I'm going to get beat up for this one if it doesn't work out. But I also, Spencer Strider, I think, finishes outside the top 20. And hear me out on this. Uh, you know, you look at you look at Calfzilla and Quadzilla, whatever you want to call them. The legs, everybody wants to say, oh, he's healthy. He's all this, right? 
this was Brandon Woodruff last year too. Brandon Woodruff was going at the turn and everybody was looking at Brandon Woodruff as this big, healthy guy should be just fine until he wasn't. Uh, but to me, when I look at Strider, he had a 48% increase in his workload year over year, 48%. And then pitches 41%. That's a massive jump for a guy that has had surgery in college. Uh, I know he reworked his mechanics and everything, but that is a massive, massive jump jump in workload for a young pitcher we have not seen how the body's going to react to that uh so to me like i said in the price i have absolutely out in the first round if he fell to the second round which he is not i've seen him go as high as four so it doesn't even matter let's not even talk about that i am not comfortable at all taking strider in the first round and i'm frankly surprised to continue to see him move up as the winner and he's now in the top five going in drafts uh, i believe that's a recipe for disaster I'm still a guy who, Jason, I, I refuse to take pitching early in drafts. I just don't see the value in it anymore. Uh, I don't see where those those big horses that used to be out at the front of the gate, I just don't see it. I mean, Garrett Cole's still that guy, and that's fair. He's probably the safest on that board. What's fun to me is I'm looking and listening to you, and I'm looking at the regular season strikeout leaders of 2024 for wagering. Spencer Strider's at the top at plus 195. The next guy is plus a thousand. It's 10 to one in Kevin Gossman. So if anything that you're talking about comes to fruition, what a great way to make an investment there. He is a thousand to one, uh, excuse me, plus 1000, not a thousand to one plus 1000. Garrett Cole is plus 1200. And then my dark horse guy too, that I think again, if you can just get the innings up um, a guy like Freddie Peralta, he is at 25 to one. So a really interesting strikeout board. If you do want to fade Spencer Strider, Ray, this is a very provocative idea. But Jason has laid out some good math around it to support this uh, the controversial take. Let's just call it that. So do you think that Spencer Strider is a guy that is worth his ADP currently? 100% not. I mean, I think first, have we seen Spencer Strider with the new uniform pants? With those likes? I think I'm we've not- seen too much of him. I think <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say the answer to that question is, yes, we've seen him. We've seen a lot of everybody. I feel Yes. Like. yes. Un- unfortunately for Casey Schmidt, but. It's, oh, did George Costanza make those pants? That's my question to everybody, too. It's like, you know, when they put Costanza in charge of the uniforms with the Yankees back in the day, you know, I, I feel like this is the same kind of thing. I I, th- I think so. But, but but Strider, again, is somebody that I'm not rostering at all this year based on that price. And I wasn't doing it when he was going at the back of the first round. Now, if he's going top five, there's no way. And I think this year especially, I don't know that I've started a draft without going hitter, hitter. At all, and I think I a good portion of my drafts I've gone hitter, 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 or hitter, 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 closer, and I've kind of waited till four, five, six to go for my starters. And the thing with Striders, I mean, the strikeouts are ridiculous. That even when, even if he did go on the IL for a month or two, you're still going to get a ton of strikeouts out of him. But if you're going to price in that injury risk, and you're saying, hey. He's going to go on IL for a month or two. The replacement value of your ace starting pitcher that you drafted in the first round and then probably eased up on strikeouts at least a little bit because you had that comfort in Strider, it's not going to be good for roster construction either. I'll take it a step further, Ray. I think in head-to-head formats is even more of a concern because it's one thing in the season long when you're missing a player, and as you said, well, he's still going to end up with 200 strikeouts even if he throws 170 innings or 160 innings, right? Whatever that might be. But at the same time, 
does it cost you a playoff spot in head to head formats? You know, does it cost you enough losses during the year to lose that player that you took in the, you know, early second round? I think that's a, that's a big question. I think everybody has to ask themselves when they're coming to that, by the way, everybody donate at donorbox.org slash TGFBI. Again, that's donorbox.org slash TGFBI. I'm sure there's links all over X. If you're following Justin Mason, I'm sure you are. So go directly make a donation here, do nice things. Again, when you do, you could win fabulous prizes like this fantasy baseball black book behind my head from Amazon. There's also a lot of other amazing prizes, subscriptions to different sites. Um, I don't know, maybe uh, Justin Mason will come to your house, and, you know, vacuum. I don't know. There's a lot of things out there that I would bid on. If there's an open, I just want him to come. I want him to wear a maid's outfit. I want him to clean my house. That might be at least 500 to a thousand for me. I got to say like that. And and you know he'll do it because he has zero shame. There you go. There. See, look, look how little time it's I'm took waiting for Danielle to chime in the chat. I'm waiting for Danielle oh, well, to chime in the chat. He doesn't he do that at our house. Why would he come to your house? <laughs> well, he wears the problem is he wears the outfit. He just doesn't clean. That's the problem. All right, let's continue on with some of these bold predictions here. Let's go back to you, Ray, with your number three for 2024. What do you have? All right, I'm saying that based on ADP, Jazz Chisholm is a better pick than C.J. Abrams and will outperform him by the end of the year. Okay. I'm here for, you know, last year, C.J. Abrams was our darling on our show. We kept saying, he's free. Just take him. And he's probably going to suck for a couple months. Just take him and just wait. Just be patient because he's free. And if you're patient, the second half was really good. And in Brodo Leagues, he was, I don't want to say a league winner, but maybe he was a league winner for some people. Like He might have <laughs> been. But it's a provocative idea because we just had a conversation about Jazz Chisholm or Trout. And looking at the age of the players and the power speed combination of Chisholm, I almost am more intrigued to take Jazz Chisholm too. So this is a lot of helium here. CJ Abrams does feel like a player that has gone nuclear in terms of ADP. So let's talk about Abrams and Chisholm first, because I want to get your take on the why here. Okay, the why is obviously Abrams stole 47 bases. If he didn't steal 47 bases, we wouldn't be having this conversation because then at that point he's J.P. Crawford. So he sold the 47 bases, obviously, especially if you look at the NFBC leagues, everyone pushes up stolen bases. It's incredibly valuable. There's more stolen bases out there based on last year than there has been, but at the same point, you still need more to compete. So I understand the 47 stolen bases. Chisholm, if everything goes right, not sure there's a path for him to get more than 30. So you're losing 30. So you're losing, say, 15 stolen bases. Batting average, Chisholm's going to be a little better than Abrams. But then the power, I think, is where Chisholm has the edge. He could be a 30-30 guy. Abrams hit 18 last year. That's probably his max. He hit 245 overall on the season. But again, he only had one month over 247. He hit 166 against lefties. I'm not sure Washington has the talent to say, hey, you're going to be a platoon player. But that is something to be concerned about going forward. And I think with Abrams, we probably saw the best that he had to offer last year, unless some of those plate skills and the power develops ahead of where it did. And the other problem is kind of like Strider in the first round. You take Strider in the first round, you're committing a lot of your capital to those strikeouts. If he goes down, your roster construction, especially head-to-head leagues, it looks very different. If you're taking Abrams in the third round, you have to meet the power up elsewhere. You have to meet the batting average up elsewhere. He goes down, struggles. 
your down stolen bases, it's going to be harder to make that up. Looking at his ADP also, he's going right now typically in the consensus ADP at 58 overall. I see names like Paul Goldschmidt, a guy who is a perennial 30-100-100 guy. Yeah, he's coming off a down year, but so what? I see Matt McClain. I see Nolan Jones. I see Royce Lewis. I see some of the most exciting players there in that little cluster, all going after Abrams, and I just can't justify it, Ray. No. I mean, Nolan Jones, again, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I think they're similar. Plays in Colorado. Exactly. And a Colorado, my friend. It never lets you down. Not ever. One of those but again, between things. the two, I'm taking Jones over Abrams, even if I might not be a true fan of Jones. I mean, in reality, I'm probably not taking either there, but somebody like a McLean or a tried and true Goldschmidt, I think I think there's better conversation there. Jason, let's have a conversation about what Ray mentioned about the stolen paces, because in my opinion, when you have more people stealing more bases, it makes it a lot easier to find it as you go and kind of build it up. You could go for the specialist guys, or you could, you know, build a team that's got a nice benchmark there of some players that'll get you 10 to 20 in that range because your stolen bases are up in general. I don't feel like that premium for stolen bases is worth it for a guy like Abrams. Do you see it differently? Well, with steals, you remember last year, it, if you were slow, it really didn't help you. Uh, it, so, it, yeah, the market rising tides was supposed to lift all boats, but it didn't. I mean, if you were slow, you still weren't running. Brendan Rodgers still did not steal a base last year. He has not never mm-hmm. stolen one in his career. He's not slow. He just doesn't run. Carlos Correa doesn't run anymore. He still didn't steal a base. Uh, you know, so it's it's one of those different things with that. I think the issue and why Abrams is going and but where uh, Chisholm isn't right now is you know Chisholm's had one full, not even a full season. I mean, he he has never played more than 124 games in a season. And you can't argue with the talents, but something is always broken down with him. Whereas Abrams just put a big volume year up. Up and is on pace to do a big volume year again. I understand the risk that if you if you took you've got to build around that skill set. But overall, with steals, yeah, they're out there, and there could be even more this year with the untapped potential of stealing third base. The league was swiping third base at about eighty two to eighty three percent, and the league as a whole wasn't taking too many chances. But when they look at those numbers, probably like, ooh, let's do more of that. And so, give me somebody that's going to be at the top of the lineup that's not going to have somebody on base in front of them to have those opportunities to do that. So there may be even more in the tank for um, Abrams uh, in that regard. Jason, back-to-back right now, 79 is Brian Reynolds uh, in current consensus ADP. Jazz Chisholm is 80. Who would you rather have on your team? Brian Reynolds. Why? I like safety. (laughs) Yes. I like Brian Reynolds and his durability for the most part over over Chasman, over Chaz Chisholm. It's, It's the durability thing that scares me. Or <laughs> you almost gave him a new name that would have sounded like an adult film star. Uh, you call him Chaz and then switch the J. <laughs> that would have been a very different uh, thing here. It's early in the morning, Colette. It's early in the I was morning. Doing Beastie Boys lyrics. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I guess so. I guess we know which Lollapalooza band you are. Uh, Ray, I'll put the same question to you. Jazz Chisholm or uh, Brian Reynolds, who would you rather have those two outfielders going back to back in ADP currently? I'm going to go with Jazz there. I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise based on my prediction, but I think at that point in the draft, I'm willing to go for the upside of Chisholm, knowing that even last year he played in 97 games and he still finished with 19 home runs and 22 stolen bases. So even factoring that in, yeah, I'm giving up a few home runs, few RBIs to Reynolds, but Chisholm goes out, I'm still going to get replacement value of somebody else in that roster spot. 
All right, let's talk about uh, the next one of yours. Jason, you were mentioning earlier about the White Sox being better than the sum of their parts. Um, I want to dive into this a little bit more because if you're looking at this White Sox roster, it is a team that I, I think all of us looked at it last year and saw the Ceases and Giolitos and even Lance Lynn, and we all thought, yeah, you know what? Uh, you know, the White Sox are going to be a useful fantasy team. And then uh, it felt like collectively the season of – uh, Tim Anderson might have been the best way to describe what happened to the White Sox last year, I think, mm-hmm. all around. So looking at it this year, why should people be helpful and and hopeful? Because it feels as though, you know, there is a dip in the value. Luis Robert's still a top player. That's out there. But you're looking around Andrew Vaughn coming off a, a season where people had expectations didn't come to fruition. Aloy Jimenez, another one there, too. Um, you know, Jake Berger was the surprise guy last year, but he is gone. And you look at the rest of this rotation too. I mean, guys like Michael Kopech, once upon a time, that was that was big time stuff. People looked for the upside of Kopech, and that's a guy I feel like nobody's discussing at all. So what do you think about the White Sox roster currently and some of the value it might give you in fantasy? Yeah, I would quote my good friend Craig, who's a big White Sox fan. White Sox fan. The hate has gone too far uh, with this team. They're bad. I mean, it's going to be a bad team. Uh, but you look at we've talked. We've already talked about Eloy, and Eloy's ADP in February is two thirty eight. Uh, and then Dylan Cease is just outside the top 100, and Luis Roberts there in the second round, and that's it. There's only five guys that are being drafted in the tw- in a 23 times 12 12 team format. There's five guys that are making it uh, before the reserve rounds. And to me, when you see a team that has that many players below uh, active roster value, there's opportunity. And I think last year, uh, as fantasy managers, we were reminded of that when Brent Rooker had a great year. And Brent Rooker was an afterthought for Oakland. But because it was a bad team, he had the opportunity to produce something happened. You look up and down this roster. I was looking at uh, Andrew Benintendi is projected to hit leadoff, projected to get 600 plate appearances, and his ADP is 380 right now. So he's like free help, free leadoff guy in the reserves. And if Andrew Benintendi can put it together, then there's some nice value there. You mentioned Kopech as well. The stuff has always been there, but his ability to stay on the mound to use that stuff has been problematic. Um, you have to give it another chance. If you want to get into the Yoan Mankata contract year, he needs a new paycheck after this year. And the last four years have been terrible. Maybe something happens there. Uh, but the prices are right. And I just look at this as an opportunity to get in on the White Sox because there's not, there's not a next level. Like Colson Montgomery may be the only prospect that comes up for them this year. I live in Charlotte where their triple-A team is. It's terrible. They don't have another guy coming up, so they're either going to be trading guys away or using these guys every day in the lineup. And I just find that there's going to be production here because they're so, they're being undervalued um, because it's a bad team. Uh, pitching staff-wise, like, you know, give me uh, John Brebery a closer type of thing, but there's a lot of mess in the, on this team, and I get wanting to avoid it, but there's still opportunity here. What about Dylan Cease? He's going to be entering his age 28 season. Uh, three straight years of throwing at least 165 innings. That's positive. The strikeout rate has declined, though. The Caper 9 went from 12 to 11 to 10. Again, still elite, but did go down a little bit. The ERA was at 4.5 last year. Now, everybody thought there was going to be regression from the ERA year over year, and it was with a vengeance. But the XERA was 407. The FIP was 372. The XFIP was 408. So it wasn't quite as bad as it laid out there, too. If you're looking at Dylan Cease currently in terms of where he's being drafted, which is pretty late when all said and done here, do you see him as a potential value on that board, too? Just to give you a reference point, too, uh, Dylan Cease is going right now as the 28th starting pitcher on the board in consensus ADP. 
He's going ahead of Joe Musgrove, which I grossly disagree with. He's also going ahead of guys like Yuri Perez, Cole mm-hmm. Reagans, Tanner Bybee, a lot of the young studs that people are really uh, excited about. Would you take Cease over any of those guys? Jason? I like Cease quite a bit at his current market price, and let's and and I mean he's likely going to be traded, so it's only going to increase his value. If he were to get traded today, his value is going to jump up two to three rounds. Uh, people will be more forgiving of some of his flaws if they if he was on another roster. I think last year some of the issues, uh, you know, Yasmani Grandal behind the plate, not a great catcher, uh, and that was hurting him as well. And I I always put Cease in that bucket of like don't watch your closers. Don't watch Dylan Cease pitch. It's frustrating. He throws a lot of pitches. Uh, and it, it just grinds through at bats. He, can't, he struggles to put guys away despite the strikeouts, but a lot of foul balls and type of thing. It's kind of uh, like Blake Snell used to be uh, in that regard. So I don't want to watch Dylan Cease pitch, but I have no problem putting him on my roster at the current market price because I only see it going higher once he's traded because he's not sticking on this team this year. All right, that's fair. But Ray, right now, we don't know that for sure. You know, we don't have, I mean, it it might be thinking it's trending that way. Dylan sees 20th SP off the board. There's no way I'm taking him ahead of Musgrove. But what about you? Would you take Cease over Reagans, over Perez, over Bybee, uh, even over veterans like Justin Verlander? I mean, I I would take him probably over those four. I mean, if Verlander didn't start off the spring with the shoulder thing, maybe that answer changes. But I would take him over like a Bibby or a Perez or a Reagans. And again, I think the main thing here is the walks, not saying he's all of a sudden going to magically flip switch and improve his control. But if the walks per nine went from four to three, I think we're telling a totally different story here. And again, if he gets traded add a few more wins, I know it's hard to kind of predict wins, but I think pretty much every team is going to have more wins than the White Sox this year. So maybe by default, he gets there. And I think the Mets might tell him to hold their beer, (laughs) right? And I think the problem really is (laughs) Montgomery hasn't signed. Snell hasn't signed. I think once those dominoes at some point fall, maybe we'll see the cease trade talks reignite. Scott Boris does know that the season's beginning soon, right? Like uh, Snell and Montgomery and Bellinger, like we all, the season is starting, right? They did get that memo across the desk. I hope Um, it is amazing to me how late these guys are waiting to sign. Uh, We'll see where they all end up. Uh, maybe we'll do some predictions on them, too, at the end here if we have some time. Let's go back to you, Ray, because you think all cruises are not created equal. This no. is one that might blow a lot of people's minds. Let's hear it. 100%. I mean, I haven't been in on Ellie De La Cruz at all this winter, and I think I've written a few different places and then a few different times that he's going to be a bust. I mean, part of it is his second-round ADP, but I'm going to say O'Neill Cruz will have a better season than Ellie De La Cruz. Okay, why? Because I think that's one that we all want to hear. Ellie, the power, the speed, O'Neill certainly has that as well. But Cruz got, you know, I should say Ellie got some time, did take his lumps last year as yeah. well. Um, but at the same time, you, you flashed some of that brilliance there. And, and O'Neill really, I mean, didn't play by nine games. Like, you can't really get excited about that. So why is O'Neill a better investment? Because that's what it seems like you're saying, basically. If you're going to take a Cruz, O'Neill's the better one, not Ellie. Well, I think part of it is the price that NF- NFBC ADP, you're getting O'Neill 40 picks later, give or take. So that so I think that's probably the one thing. But then to go into Ally, he hit 191 second half last year. Again, it was his first taste of the big leagues, young player adjustments. He came on strong, but still 191 in the second half. It's not, it's not exactly exciting or make you feel comfortable. From the power perspective, 
Yeah, he hit 13 home runs, but he did it with a 3.6-degree average launch, launch angle. So that gives me a little concern. His 8.5% barrel, barrel rate, yeah, it's good, but it's not off the charts good that it's going, going to stop me in my tracks. And again, 410 slugging percentage, 386x slugging. So based on that, I'm not feeling 100% confident in him. But again, he stole 35 stolen bases. But I'm going to go back to kind of the C.J. Abrams comment I made is, okay, fine, we're drafting him to a point because of the stolen bases. But then if we're going to go to O'Neill Cruz, yeah, last year he really didn't play. So I went back to 2022. Again, he hit 233. So either way, I'm not looking for batting average out of either of these players. He only had 10 stolen bases in 87 games. So you're going to be down on the stolen bases. But he hit 17 home runs in those 87 games, drove in 54 runs, and he did it with a 15.5% Bauer rate. So to me, I think there's more upside potential in his bat. Then take it one step further, Pittsburgh has nobody. So O'Neill Cruz, as long as he stays healthy, is going to get his 600 plate appearances. Ali De La Cruz, yeah, he came up for half a year, and he did great. But you could say the same thing about Encarnacion Strand, say the same thing about McLean, say the same thing about Spencer Steer. They signed Candelario. They have India still there. You have Will Benson in the outfield. They have a lot of pieces. I'm not saying De La Cruz isn't better than those guys, but if there's an extended slump, perhaps they say, hey, wait a second, you need a little more time. Not saying he's going to go to the minor leagues, but hey, maybe we can kind of take a step back. He loses some playing time. All right, let's go to you, Jason, about the cruises. You've got Elliot going at the 34th player off the board and then O'Neill going as 87th player off the board. Now, if you take this and put it in the context of, let's say, salary cap drafts, which cruise is the better value? To me, it's uh, raised right on. It's it's O'Neill, and I've I've taken O'Neill twice. I've had him in the in two different 15 team drafts. So in Wharf this past weekend, I got O'Neill in the uh, fifth round, fifth, and then the other one, uh, one DCM, and now I just took him in the sixth. So I've taken O'Neill Cruz down there twice, and to me, it kind of feels like. You know, if we were, I forget where I would love to remember where O'Neill Cruz was going this time last year, coming off his 2022 and 2023. Mm-hmm. I want to say he, even as good as he had looked and shown some of the growth that uh, Adam was referring to in the chat, you know, I think O'Neill Cruz was still going fourth, fifth round last year. And here's Ellie De La Cruz. I can who tell you a if lot like on both the ends answer, of the spectrum, going Colette. into the third. Yeah, uh, I can tell you the answer. Uh, the answer, because I'm on uh, Fantasy Pros, because we've got all that data there. Your fingertips is uh, 76 overall. That's where he was in the ADP this time last year. O'Neill Cruz. Okay, so it's right, right, honestly, right about where he's going now uh, to things. So it's, you know, I want to see how things spring. Adam asked a great question about the stolen bases and the ankle. We'll have to see uh, how that all plays out uh, with that. But youth, you know, youth that has resiliency. I'm fifty. I'm fifty one. If I get hurt, I'm not running anymore. Uh, that's why I don't screw <laughs> anymore. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you learn that. There the are way. there are different things with that, but. I am all about uh, I am all about O'Neill Cruz at his market value. The Ellie De La Cruz hype to me reminds me of the mistake Paul Spore and I made uh, in 
Vlad Guerrero Jr.'s uh, in his second year. We took him in the fourth round. We're like, man, we're all in. This is going to be great. He showed all this, and it was a terrible pick in hindsight. And that when I see Ellie De La Cruz going in the third round, to me, it feels like I don't, don't want to make that same mistake that Paul and I made years ago. All right. Uh, very fair uh, statements here about both of the Cruz guys. Uh, similar profiles, too. Power, speed, uh, batting average might be lagging behind a little bit, but very exciting players. I, I'm all with uh, Rupert, too, about let's just hope all the Cruises play well and that's good for baseball. Uh, I think we're very excited. Yep. Uh, Ray, who would you rather have, Matt McLean or Ellie De La Cruz? Just out of curiosity, Ray. McLean for me. Jason, is that the same answer for you in redraft? Interesting. Indeed, it McLean is. is a player that kind of came, I don't want to say out of nowhere, mm -hmm. but certainly surprised a lot of people last year. Let's go back to the free agents. Let's have some bold prediction about where they're going to end up here. Ray, I've been saying all along, I feel like the Cody Ballinger should just go back with the Cubs. Like, what are we doing here? Just, yeah. just go back there. It's a good fit for you. It's a good fit for them. Everybody wins. The Cubs have a shot to win that division this year, in my opinion. I love Imanaga. I, I'm very excited about Justin Steele. I feel like Bellinger there is that last piece that where they can really compete again. Where do you think Bellinger ends up ultimately? I mean, the Cubs make too much sense. It, it, I mean, it's by no way boring to agree, but the Cubs make too much sense for him not to go back there. Jason, Cody Bellinger, predict where he goes. I, yeah, I can't argue that. I, I want to. I'm, I'm offering everybody a pillow contract to come to Tampa Bay for one year uh, and then try again <laughs> next year. But yeah, it makes way too much sense for Bellinger not to go back to Chicago. All right, Blake Snell, Jason Collette. You've seen some Blake Snell in your life. Uh, a player that wins a Cy Young and then the next year throws a four and a half ERA up sometimes. The walks were insane last year. I think the market's looking at Blake Snell and saying, you know, we really don't know who he is and we don't want to overpay for him. And therefore, we're waiting to find out because Scott Boris says, oh, yeah, well, let's wait till one of your big pitchers goes down and then you're desperate for Blake Snell. So I get it. It makes a ton of sense. At the end of the day, who do you think is going to be desperate enough to overpay? Because that seems to be what they're waiting for. Yeah, and I, you know, San Francisco, Blake Snell's a West Coast guy. He's from Seattle, West Coast. I would still want to put him with the Giants. If he goes to Yankee Stadium, I really don't want uh, it, lowers his value to me. And it's not because of the environment, it's just more of the environment of New York than anything else. He's a West Coast guy, wants to stay on the West Coast. I'd hate to see him go over there. But if he doesn't sign here in the next week, then I'm really concerned about how many starts he misses uh, to get into the season because these guys are in routines. And, yeah, sure, you can do some work on the side at facilities and whatnot, but you need to see every time if a guy's missing an outing or two, maybe he misses a start or two, and that drops him down a little bit. But I want to put him in San Francisco and not because I hate the Yankees. I, I just want Blake <laughs> Snell to be in the best place possible because I love watching Blake Snell pitch. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be it would be an interesting Yankee addition, though, because you look at the personalities, and I'll put that in quotes, that they've added this offseason, Marcus Stroman, maybe Blake Snell, uh, Alex Verdugo. These are not your prototypical Yankee personalities. And uh, like I'm from New York, uh, so I, I've you know grown up with the Steinbrenner family, and and it's just been let's just say those guys don't necessarily fit some of the uh, the, the clubhouse guys they like. It's going to be fascinating if all of those personalities are on one spot. I can tell you right now. Not to mention Soto and the contract and all that noise it's going to be fascinating ray how about you when it comes to blake snell are you where jason is too which is the giants make a lot of sense potentially for him stay on the west coast they do i mean i see him probably if i had to predict i think he goes to the yankees on a one-year giant deal but if you're blake snell pitching in that stadium pitching in the al east pitching in new york it might not be the best thing for your long-term value so i'd say the giants I mean, I don't know. The, it seems the Padres aren't going to spend any money. 
again, if they woke up and decided one day that well, they're in debt, so I think that's yeah. pretty much why. You know, so, so that kind of takes them out of the equation for all these guys. Because I mean, they can certainly use Bellinger, they can certainly use Snell if you look at their roster resource page. So, Gi- Giants would be the the right move for for Snell, especially considering their rotation as well. All right, what about the last one, Jordan Montgomery, another guy that still has yet to sign. Certainly a player that can help people in the middle of rotations, can help fantasy teams too. As Jason said, Ray, we're getting to that point where if you're not in camp soon here, by the time we turn the page to March, it's probably going to delay the start of your season. Is that a big deal? No, it gives you a little bit of a discount, maybe a round or two on a player, but it is something. And we've seen guys when they get out of routine, sometimes it hurts them. What do you think about Montgomery, his potential landing spot? I mean, we haven't heard anything about Bradish's arm since the initial news, so potentially on how that goes, I'd say Baltimore. I mean, I know we've heard a lot of news about Montgomery's ties to Boston, but I think they would have made that move already if it was going to happen. So I'd say Baltimore for him. Baltimore's interesting spot. What about Blake Snell in Baltimore, Colette? You like that one? I mean, are we, are we gonna, do you think one of those two pitchers, either Montgomery or uh, potentially Blake Snell, could end up there if the Bradish news, which we anticipate being bad, is worse? Yeah, Ray, Ray took my answer. It's exactly what I was going to say. When you look at this window of opportunity that Baltimore has right now in this young window, it's not about making the investment for this year. I, too, expect Braddish news not to go well. And so then you've got Rodriguez and you got Burns and then you got Pray for Rain uh, for the most part. And if you can bring in either one of these lefties and put them in that ballpark with that Mount Camden out in left field that suppresses home runs, Giggity. That would be good for either one of these guys. And I would like to see Baltimore make that investment because, again, this is the window, and it would be a shame for them to waste it by trying to fix this on the cheap and hoping because if Bradish goes down now, you pretty much write him off next year too. So it's a two-year thing. So don't look for a one-year band-aid. Go ahead and make an investment. And speaking of windows of opportunity, there's Justin Mason right on time, as always. (laughs) Don't forget, everybody, to donate at donorbox.org slash TGFBI be entered in the raffle for the fantasy black book 2024 and a whole lot more prizes to be given out ray coon from fantrax jason colette from uh tampa uh right from the rays organization and uh justin mason we'll kick it back to you for more potapalooza baby well you guys were as bold as bold can be i appreciate you guys coming on for the hour and and uh, i was as bald as bald could be. yeah i'm, is, I'm right there with I can you, the show. Yes. yeah like you know it's just Unfortunately, our brains can't sustain all the power it needs for knowledge and hair at the same time. Uh, so we got to do what we got to do and just, you know, grow it on our face so that way we've got some sort of warmth. Uh, You're just migrating south like everything does when you get old. <laughs> it was an absolute pleasure uh, to listen to you guys. I appreciate you taking over for an hour so that way I could uh, get my bougie kids Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> apparently that's something that I have to do now. Uh, I had to do that last week because I have a teenage daughter who's 14 just recently turned and another one's turning 12. So, yeah, it's, I feel you, bro. I feel you. Yeah, Lots of yeah. frappuccinos. I have a yeah, five-year-old that thinks she's 14, too. so she's there getting stuff today, too. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, make sure you're following all these guys on mm-hmm. social media because they do a fantastic job and so you can read all their content or listen to all their content since Everybody here does podcasting and writing. I'm going to boot you guys out unceremoniously like I always do so I can get ready to bring in the next crew. See you guys later. We are raising money for Fantasy Cares today. 
Uh, it is a fantastic organization that uh, 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 donates to a lot of charitable organizations, including Toys for Tots, where they donate tens of thousands of dollars worth of toys every single year. Scott Fish is the main man over there. Uh, and they, they might be donating a pretty cool prize uh, at some point during Potapalooza. So keep those donations coming in. Every dollar you donate gets you entered in to win raffle prizes. Currently, uh, we have raised almost $1,000 today. You add that on to what the TGFBI and TGFBI satellite participants have raised, and we have raised over $7,000 between TGFBI and Potapalooza, uh, and that is amazing. Every $1,000 we raise, I'm going to give away a spot in next year's TGFBI. So we've already uh, done a thousand or almost done a thousand dollars today for Potapalooza, six thousand dollars for uh, TGFBI or from TGFBI participants. So that's seven spots in next year's TGFBI that I'll be giving away. Plus, we've got uh, jerseys. We uh, including. I have an extra Sean Bouchard jersey. I don't know if people like Sean Bouchard, but he won me a bunch of money last year in the NFBC, so I accidentally ordered two, one for me, one for someone here. We've got bobbleheads. We've got baseball cards. We've got subscriptions to a number of different places and sites and tools, including this guy, Derek Cardi's to giving away something really cool. Derek, welcome to the show. Let everybody know where you can reach, what you do, and what you're giving away. Yeah, thanks. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Derek Cardi, uh, probably best known for the Bad X projection system. You can find it at Fangraphs for free for season long. Uh, if you do DFS, you can find it at Roto Grinders during the season, sports betting at EV Analytics. I'm giving away a free subscription uh, to the Bad X at EV Analytics for sports betting. Uh, so uh, one lucky person is going to get one of those.